0: Hello friends, thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth of Roots. I just got done binge listening to a show called Just Sway. It's a podcast about the band Blue October and the people that have stories about the music from Blue October that's impacted their lives. It's an incredible podcast. Lucas pours himself into this. Uh, it's, It's just very well put together. Fort Worth Roots is a little rough around the edges, but man... If you went from this show to his, you would notice some huge differences. Um, but it's great, and I love it. And uh, you got to check out, listen to this, Just Sway. Go to Spotify, Apple, whatever. Listen to episode 15, 6. I think it's 6. I'm pretty sure it's 6. So 6, 15, and 22, current favorites. 22 is my favorite because the person he interviews in episode 22 is actually going to do a recording with us uh, here very shortly. So that's cool. And I have Lucas to thank for that. So anyway, that's why the plug's there. Uh, but also just because he's a great guy and a good friend of mine, and uh, he deserves it. Uh, all the all the effort he's put into his show, he deserves some recognition. So we're giving it to him here today at Fort Worth Roots. But uh, that's it. That's all you get, buddy. Love you, Lucas. All right. Our guest today is, no, that comes later. She earned her doctorate in health education, and she is currently working for the state of Louisiana as a coronavirus vaccine specialist. She is working with over 230 different organizations to aid with COVID-19 education and kind of the logistics part of it, like how to move people through the system and whatnot, you're going to hear. Don't worry. Um, We talk a little bit about the differences between the three vaccines, uh, the public opinion and kind of that whole thing, and the uh, misinformation that's been kind of interjected into the public eye. We're going to get into all that. And uh, she also shares with us a little bit about her personal experience. And listen, we're how many months into this? Jesus Christ, 13, 14, no, 15, 16 months into this. We all have personal stories, right? This has been, holy shit, this has been something else. So, But here we are, we are still making it, we're persevering as a nation, and as a species, I guess. I mean, the entire world was hit by this thing. But we are um, trying something new, and uh, if you listen to the last episode, we did a little bit of a plug, and I explained to people that I want to have people like our guest today kind of in the directory. I want to be able to call these people up and say, hey, what the hell is this about? And so our guest today is one of those people that we might be able to reach out to and say, you know, explain this a little bit more to us. And she is happy to do that. So we're super excited to have her inside the Fort Worth Roots family. And uh, let's just start the show. Give it up for Amy Joy Scarborough. Thank you all for being here. Let's do it. Hello. Hey, it's Andrew. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good, great. Um, so, right off the bat, I gotta ask you to go by Amy Joy or Doctor Scarborough,
1: oh, whatever you want.
0: <laughs> well, you tell I try me. To. <laughs> I
1: go by Amy Joy. That's fine.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Um, this you're is a, very welcome. This is an idea that I've been kicking around for a little while. I think I mentioned it last night. Um, yes. But uh, just the general idea is, I I'm I'm trying to bridge the podcast into different areas that. I think are interesting, but also really important to me. And so one right. of the things I wanted to do is bring on uh, an MD to talk about uh, things that come up, you know, uh, whether it's in the news or uh, social media or whatever. Absolutely. So um, tell me a little bit about your background, because we we discussed almost nothing yesterday over the over, yeah, over messenger.
1: I agree. Um, well, my background is actually, I started out with a Bachelor of Science in Corporate Community Health and Fitness. Okay. So basically the original, um, it, it actually evolved when I was actually doing the degree. So it started out with, um, I was actually focusing more on the cardiac rehab aspect of it. Okay. So, um, basically it was health and fitness and then, um, looking at how we could, um, I guess there with special populations. So the special population that I chose was cardiac rehab patients. Mostly because my grandfather had had a series of heart attacks when I was a child
2: right.
1: and I saw that um, cardiac rehab um, nurses and also exercise physiologists brought him back to where he needed to be.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that to me was really admirable and that was something I wanted to do. I didn't really want to go the medical school route. Um, number one, at this point in time in my life, I guess I didn't think that I was intelligent enough to do it oh, or that no. I think I'd be able to put up with the time when I was a kid. So I really didn't know. Right. Um, I got that degree and my minor is actually in nutrition sciences, which is uh, nutrition chemistry. Um, and then um, I started teaching for a couple of years after I worked in pediatrics and cardiology. Now, I did work in cardiac rehab for a period of time, but it was also during the time that um, they were changing their requirements to where you had to have a master's degree. And at the time, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to get my master's degree in. Okay.
2: Um,
1: I had started in public health, um, emergency services, looking more at um, type of crisis management. Mm-hmm. I still wasn't really sure that's what I wanted to do. So um, I actually worked in the field for a couple of years um, and then had a really excellent opportunity to start teaching at a community college. Uh, it was one class a week um, teaching medical terminology. I thought, okay, that's enough. You know, that'll be fine. And it actually evolved into 15 years Oh wow. of teaching in higher ed Okay. to the point that when I actually... I don't want to say retired because I think I'll eventually go back to it. Um, I was Dean of Allied Health for a college. Um, and I did take some time off because I had a little one that was born 10 weeks early. And, um, you know, you can imagine the stress of working in higher education plus having a newborn baby that had special needs at the time. It was a lot. So, yeah.
2: um,
1: I actually started my own consulting business during that time frame and just worked with schools and colleges to help them get through the accreditation process. Okay. Um, and so, um, I guess before that, I had gotten my master's degree in educational leadership, um, with the emphasis on psychology. And then, um, I did achieve my doctorate in education, but it was health ed. So, um, more of an emphasis on, um, special populations a lot and with the psychology of, um, you know, what makes people tick? Why do some people choose to be healthier versus others that don't? And sometimes it's not a choice. So, um, now I'm working in public health, um, when the pandemic hit. Uh, There were basically a call to arms for people who had experience um, with special populations and also health promotion. So I took a position with the state of Louisiana, and now I am a COVID vaccine specialist. So I work with the state to um, help with vaccinations. But not only with that, I keep track of the um, vaccines that come in and out of the state um, and who they're administered to. And just making sure that um, everybody knows what they're supposed to do when they receive their vaccine, how they're supposed to be stored. Um, and right now, I, I'm in a, a region where there's 230 um, different providers. So, that's what I'm doing right now.
0: Oh, wow. Well, that's That's a lot. 230 different entities that you have to get up to speed on all the specifics. So you are extremely well-versed in a lot of different areas. You've got cardiology under your belt, pediatrics, uh, public health and special interests, um, and then education. So you know all the terminology too, intimately. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, in some cases, yes.
0: (laughs) Well, great. I think think you are exactly who I've been looking for. um, Just to kind of talk about uh, different issues that might arise in the future. Uh, and mm-hmm. with your experience with coronavirus right now, um, that makes you uh, e- even more, uh, what's the right word for it? Relevant, I mean, with everything that's been going on lately. So, um, so Yeah, and
1: unfortunately, in some cases, it, it, you don't always want to be where the relevancy is, but I feel right. like I'm making a difference in the trenches because there's a lot of misinformation out there about yes. the vaccinations a lot. And now that there's three that they, that people can choose from, you know, you're starting to hear more and more because when it was just the Moderna, there was stuff out there, but now it's just, it's crazy. Some of the questions that we get and just even I get Corona questions and COVID questions from friends and family that people are telling them. And I still can't believe that they wouldn't just contact their healthcare provider, Right. but they're believing this craziness. Yeah. And so did, I just, did, I don't know. It blows my mind that educated people are believing this, I guess the thing, and not researching themselves. Well, it's
0: it's gotten so convoluted. There's so much, like you said, misinformation. It's become political. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's become
1: political. It's not even about, I believe, it's not even about what's best for you. Right. I think that, um, unfortunately, you know, there's been a lot of stuff with the previous administration to where you do have, I would say, very intelligent people that are falling for what, you know, in the past, if we looked at other um presidential, you know, t- t- I want to say platforms because, um, I don't want to, you know, sound too biased, sure. but, um, we would have looked at it as, you know, there being conspiracy theorists. Right. And unfortunately, um, you know, that's become, I guess, a little bit more accepted. Um, you know, there's things that I believed in and I still believe in, I still believe in, you know, government staying out of a lot of things. But in this instance, I feel like if the government hadn't had not stepped in, we'd be a world of hurt.
2: Right. I mean, can you
1: imagine how many people would be dead or dying and if things hadn't been put in place, you know, yeah, I believe in freedom of choice and people being able to do what they believe is right. I mean, truly when it comes down to it, it's your conscience. Yeah. But, um, you know, some of the stuff that I've heard people say like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to put them in the railroad cars. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't the Holocaust. first of all. <laughs> what? Second of all, that's a little extreme.
2: You know, hey, who, here we are going into
1: Passover season and we really probably shouldn't be joking around about that, who, but okay. Who,
0: who are people wanting to put in train cars?
1: Oh, there were some people saying if they get the vaccine, it's just, they might as well just run to the train cars. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wait, you don't understand the analogy here. That's not even a real good analogy. People yeah. were forced into the cars. Yeah. They didn't run for them. They ran away from them. Not the same, and yeah. No, these, these are apples and oranges. Even then, it's more like, a, I don't know, a cannonball and a grape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not even a- apples and oranges. So, mm. I, you know, you but you deal with that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, my parents, which I thought was kind of amazing, is my dad's been one of those guys, not really a conspiracy theorist, but he doesn't trust the government. Right. He was military, but he still doesn't trust the government mm-hmm. to a point. And my parents were some of the very first ones to sit there and quarantine themselves because my dad has a background in biology. And he knew that with them being in the higher age groups of possibly, you know, getting it and dying, you know, he said, I was, I'm not ready to go yet. So they quarantined themselves for, well, it's been almost a year and a half since they got the vaccine. Yeah. I mean, now they got the vaccine, but it was a year and a half. My kids didn't see him. We Facetime, we talked, but they did not want anybody at their house. Right. Because they still wanted to live. It's basically what my mom said. I said, I don't blame you. Yeah, I said about, but we have to sacrifice for you to feel safe. That's what we'll
0: do. And my parents kind of did the same thing. They they didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. In fact, Mm-mm. my mom just recently. I guess her car had been parked so long. She went to start it up, and something weird was going on. So she had somebody pop the hood for her, and uh, some squirrels had made a for home living in there <laughs> in her car, and had eaten like half the front end, like all the plastic pieces and things. So anyway, that it, sounds about right insurance had yeah, to get involved because it was, it was yep. catastrophic damage. Like, <laughs> yeah. But see, those squirrel. are things that
1: we don't think about because, you know, we usually were in our cars from day to day. I mean, there's, there's things even for me because I had kids, like I said, that were medically fragile, early preemie children. So I was very concerned about their lungs. Yeah. You know, of course, maybe I was being a little bit overkill, but you know, my little boy isn't even five yet. So I was like, man, if he gets it, this is going to be bad because he had a chest tube at a day old.
2: Damn.
1: And so, you know, we tried to keep ourselves as limited as possible. Thankfully, I was working from home during that time because the job that I'd had working in home health, um, they actually laid a bunch of us off because they lost contracts because people were self-quarantining. Right. Uh, we primarily dealt with older adults. And so a lot of them were like, yeah, it's not my time, and I'm not letting you bring this stuff in and kill me, you know, type of the thing. Right. So, um, you know, I took that time and um, did what I had to do, and I started doing the research myself, which was good. I had some time. But that's, you know, back to that about quarantine. My parents quarantined, like I said, my dad has a background in biology. And so he started just, he's retired, just sat there and researched and was sitting there telling, you know, us what he thought, you know, looking at what he saw and whatever. And so he and I would have these conversations and, uh, you know, they, they made the decision that because he was the healthier of the two of them, if it was time to go in and get groceries in town, he would go, right. my mom stayed home, which my mom is very social. So it was killing her to sit at home. Mm. But, you know, being able to FaceTime and things like that. But see, those are the things people don't take into consideration because there's so many people who have been like, well, you know, there's a 97%, you know, um, survival rate. That's great. But there's still a 3% chance. And if you look at the numbers, that's still a lot, a, lot amount of, a lot of people in the world that could die from it. Sure. 97%, if you look at it, and this is what I told someone, I said, so let's talk about birth control. Birth control is 99.2% effective. Okay. Okay. But most people don't know that. And when they do find that out, it freaks them out because that, you don't want to be that 0.02%. <laughs> it's not worth the risk. Yeah. Right, right. right. You don't want to be. <laughs> and I know it sounds funny to use that as an example. It's
0: a good example. none though. of
1: us want, when you're not wanting to have children, you don't even want that risk. That's yeah. why you hear people using alternative methods on top of, the birth control, the oral birth control. Right. And doctors will tell you that. Well, it's not 100% full safe. And you hear stories of people who got pregnant on birth control. So if there's that many people that you've heard stories of, and it's not an urban legend, who have right. gotten pregnant on birth control, do you want, really want to take that chance that that's going to happen to you with COVID and it's a higher chance? Yeah. No,
0: I think that's a Does great that example. Because, I mean, especially for me, I'm 36 almost, and, and I don't have any children. Um, right. That That's always something that's... Uh, been present in my mind is that birth control is not a hundred percent so it's not right you need to take other measures
1: (laughs) you do but people don't you know if you look at it from that perspective and you put it into i think sometimes real analogies that people can understand Mm -hmm. it would be like whoa you know i had my kids later in life i had my daughter at 34 and my son at 40 Mm -hmm. and right now I don't wanna take that chance at that three that point three or point two percent. I mean, I'm forty five years old. Yeah. That's I why wouldn't it's... have a kid out of the house until I'm in my sixties. So, that's... you know, that's the thing. Are we gonna we're not gonna take that chance now with us just personally in our physical body that we can think of in a way that makes sense to us, why would yeah. we take that 3% chance? Exactly. That's, why, not. It's,
0: that's why it's such a, a very good analogy, I think. Best one I've heard so far.
1: <laughs> well, good, because that's the one I've been using to try to get people to really think about it. Yeah. You know, now imagine <laughs> that you're 75 years old and your body doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. Now, we're, let's not look at the, you know, the fact that there's menopause and all that other stuff. So what if that happened at 75?
2: Yeah. Yep. It's freak.
1: So why are we not freaking out about it happening to people? Plus, it doesn't always happen at 75 and older. We're seeing younger adults getting it
2: mm-hmm. and
1: dying from it because they're not, are not, entirely sure the mechanism and how it completely works because now we're hearing about people having after effects. Right. I had a good friend of mine that's 30, I think she's 35 or 36. She ended up having to get a pacemaker, no I mean, heart problems, no family issues of heart problems. And now it's having what they call lingering COVID effects with the neurological issues.
0: That's not a small procedure. I mean, that's, that's a life changing thing.
1: It is. Her life changed immediately. And now it's funny because, you know, we tease her, but she's constantly asking us, should I go to the emergency room? I'm like at this point, after everything that's happened to you, don't even ask us, go.
0: Right. You know, because yeah. we don't
1: know the long term effects.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess kind of what got me to start researching and really being more mindful of it is I had two people that were like grandparents to me. When I first moved to Alabama, I had no friends or family there and they kind of, um, you know, adopted me as their adopted granddaughter. Um, And after a period of time, I was actually dating their son, their grandson for a while. But um, I still stayed friends with him and friends with them. And when this started, when everybody started panicking and buying up toilet paper and acting crazy because, you know, survivalists were great. The preppers were fine. They had everything, but there the rest of us started realizing maybe they were actually right that something could happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, my dad joked around. He's like, see, you thought I was crazy for saving some of this stuff, but now I don't have to go to the store. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I have a bug out bag. I think I'm good, kind of. Right, right yeah. <laughs> but um, I've seen Walking Dead. I'm good. Yeah, I can survive. <laughs> we turned into zombies, but um, he went to Costco, the, the older gentleman, um, Mr. Middlebrooks, went to Costco because his wife uh, had breathing difficulties. She had had a lobed-up years ago at Empathena and had some other comorbidities. Mm-hmm. And so he thought he was going to go so that they could quarantine themselves and stay away from everybody. He figured he'd get two months' worth of stuff and anything else he'd have the family go get. Well, this is at the very beginning. This is not when we're having people wear masks. We're not having people. Everybody was acting stupid. And uh, he went, and about two weeks later, he had COVID wow. and uh, ended up in the hospital. There wasn't much they could do for him. They sent him home, put him on a, he was on a ventilator. Um, I can't, I don't really know if they took him off the ventilator because it wasn't doing any good or what. I don't really know the full details of that, but he went home with oxygen. And then in the meantime, she developed it too. And everybody was terrified. His His wife. Yep. No, I didn't know this was going on. And I just happened one day to think, I haven't heard from them, tried messaging them, hadn't heard from them, got a little worried. So I drove to their house, which was at the time about a good hour from my house.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as soon as I got there, I knocked on the door and his son, or her son, his stepson stepped outside and said, you didn't hear? And I said, what's going on? He goes, we're in quarantine here. We're doing shifts. And I said, does he have it? And he goes, not only does he have it, she has it. And of course, I panicked because knowing the lung issues that she had, I thought for sure she'd be the first one to go. Yeah. So he said, "Is there any way today you can stay with them? Because we need a break." His wife had now contracted it.
2: Mm. He was
1: starting to show some signs. And I said, "Absolutely." And the ironic thing was, I was actually um, had all my stuff in my car from when I was doing home health.
0: With your go, so I was able
1: to. Yes, mm. so I was ready to go. I had my gloves. They had maps. so I went in and to help take care of him. And it was horrible for me to see the state he was in. Yeah, he was incoherent. He had lost a ton of weight. Damn. Um, at that point, how long had he had it? I think at that point, he'd had, a, he'd had it been for about three weeks. Oh, wow. Full contract. Um, yeah. They were having to change his bed clothes. He wouldn't keep clothes on because he was delirious. He's on medication to keep him from being combative.
0: At seven, um, 75, right?
1: I think he's 80 now. Or he was 80 at the time. Maybe he's 75, 80. I'm trying to remember. My dad's 75, but I think he's 80, 83. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you that this is a man who even though he was that sick at that moment, I have never seen him miss a day in life. I mean, he was always up moving chores around the house. He was a former coal miner. Yeah. Um, he'd been in the coal mines for years. Um, also a vet. Um, you know, it, it was basically the family's belief was that they had sent him home to die. And I hate to Mm -hmm. say this, having seen what happened and how he deteriorated, I could see where they got that. Yeah. Um, he, he would go from hot to cold. He'd be pouring sweat, and we'd have to cover um, cover him up because then he'd get the chills. He was pulling his clothes off. We'd have to change him because he was incontinent. It was very upsetting for me, but yet I was in the mindset of I had to take care of him because you know my background in healthcare. Right. In the meantime, I still had to go back and forth between the two of them, so I went and checked on her, and believe it or not, she seemed to be doing better than him, but I knew that once it hit her full blast, and it was going to be bad.
0: How long had she been sick with it at the time?
1: At the time, she'd probably been sick within a couple of days is what okay. I could gather, but they didn't want to take her to the hospital because they figured that they were just going to do the same thing. So what right. was the point? She's yeah. already on oxygen. Mm-hmm. She was very slow, but she was still talking to me. But you could tell that seeing him, I, I truly believe her seeing him as bad as he was, that's what, there was no desire for her to try to fight it. Yeah. And um, so I... Could only stay for a couple of days just to help with them. And I switched off and I told her grandson, I said, I know that it's going to happen. We can all tell. It's, just, it's bad enough to where well will. I said, You need to call me or text me and let me know. And probably two days after that, he texted me and he said, We just lost them. So they prepared for the funeral and started doing all the funeral arrangements. And um, the day after his funeral, she died. Oh my God. So it, and to see two people who had fought through so much. That's another thing. He was actually, um, he had actually been diagnosed with black lung years ago from working in the coal mine. Right. But to survive black lung, to survive all the stuff that he lived through and then to go to COVID, you know, that was real hard for the family to, to handle. Yeah. And it's still a bit hard for me because, you know, I, they loved me like a granddaughter and I loved them like my grandparents. But just the irony of thinking I hadn't heard from them, I needed to stop by. And then it, there was indeed something wrong and I was able to help. But yeah. Honestly, since that point when I hear people say things like, you know, oh, I shouldn't have to wear a mask or all this other stuff, you know, I try to express to them that you might not even know you have it. And he right. went to a store before all these protocols were put in place, and he brought it home to her, and he died. Yeah. You know, and that's that's been probably the guiding thing with with me is there's been days where I get real tired and I get frustrated, and you know we're entering in all this paperwork for people who have gotten vaccinations. Like the other day, we had a $300, a $300, a 300 people vaccination event, Um, Mm. and that's a lot of people to vaccinate in one day because you also have to do paperwork on all of them. Right. Yeah. It's not just sticking a shot in an arm. Yeah. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff, there's paperwork that's involved. There's making sure we have enough doses, making sure that, you know, there's no reactions. It's a, it's a pretty well thought out process. It's long and tedious. But in the long run, I look at it, if it keeps, you know, somebody else from going through what this family went through, then it's all worth it, even if it's one person. And And that's what I don't think people realize, unless you've seen it firsthand, how horrible it is. And, you know, you think of the doctors and nurses that are going through it daily, seeing many patients die.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, that's why they still stay at the job. People say, well, I wouldn't stay at a job. Stay at the job because they don't want it to happen to somebody else. I do what I do for the state, even though I'm tired there's nights I stay up to two or three o'clock in the morning entering in patient information, but it has to be done because number one, I wouldn't want it. If it was my family, you know, that information, first of all, not being entered in case there is an issue, but you know, in the long run, what if, you know, these people who are sitting there and being naysayers. What if this really ends up being, you know, more of a positive than a negative. It opens up, you know, so many different things for research, including, you know, using mRNA. They're starting now to talk about maybe they might use it for cancer research.
0: Now, uh, mRNA, is that part of the vaccination process? Yes, it's a DNA
1: derivative. It's from the mRNA. And it's not, you know, everybody keeps on saying that it's part of DNA, but it's actually the messenger. It's the one that basically tells the RNA to start doing what it needs to do.
0: Right, DNA is the the code, and then the other one is, is... the, the thing that makes it work.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, It's more of the catalyst. So yeah. that's another thing I've had to try to combat with people that no, we're not injecting somebody's DNA in you, <laughs> you know, and people freak out. They're like, well, I don't want the government to have my DNA. Well, first of all, we're not taking anything out of you. And second of all, let me tell you, if you have ever served in the military or you've done a DNA test or you've done anything. They have your DNA. So <laughs> yeah. I'm taking over it.
2: Right, right, right. You know,
1: I mean, and some of us have willingly given up our DNA. I did a DNA test in 2010, to try to find my biological family because I was adopted. I did it willingly, signed all the waivers. Now people are saying, well, they can sell your info. Well, if selling my info and giving my info to research is going to help somebody else down the road. I really don't care. Right. Right. You know, it really doesn't bother me, but you know, you have to get past those beliefs systems and just really people's distrust towards the government. And I get it. I get why people are like that. You know, they've had bad experiences. But, you know, the thing is, is that it's important that we research and we listen.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that's probably been the biggest thing with this, is that you have the one side that's like, I'm absolutely not going to get it. It's the mark of the beast. They're going to put a chip in me. I'm just like, well, first of all, it's not even enough that if we wanted to use nanotechnology, it wouldn't even work. Yeah, it's too <laughs> small. Know, it is. And yeah. But, you know, you really do have people who truly believe this.
0: Yeah. Um, we need to get some of that probably misinformation uh, kind of – uh, swept under the rug or clarified or dis, yes. disproven or whatever. But And for, before we go any further, Amy Joy, i got to say thank you for sharing that story. It's extremely personal and uh, I think that it's important for people that haven't been in direct contact with somebody that suffered from and then eventually died from it uh, to hear stories like that so that they understand the gravity and that it is real. So thank you for sharing that story with uh,
1: us. You're welcome. And it is very scary. I will tell you that. Um, it scared me. It scared me into action, though. It was yeah. a good scare. But, so, you know, there's people that I won't always do that for, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I get, I, one of the first things I wanted to ask you, since we're on the subject, um, did they recently pull one of the vaccinations off the shelf, one of the manufacturers? i had heard that a couple of days ago, that one of them was making people violently ill, so they took that one off the shelf.
1: That or, was probably the, the AstraZeneca. That was the s no, It Was it one of the three that are here? It was the AstraZeneca in the U.K.,
0: Okay, so not, um, not one of the three that are being administered here in the no, U.S. No, we're
1: still vaccinating with Pfizer, we're still vaccinating with Moderna, and we're still vaccinating with Johnson & Johnson. There is one, the AstraZeneca one, that had passed trials in the U.K., not the United States, and it was, it was making people ill. Okay. Now, I will double check on that just to make sure, but as of Friday, I was still making sure that clinics and hospitals were getting Johnson & Johnson Pfizer and Moderna. Yeah. Well, so you, you certainly I figure know if that came me. through, yeah. So certainly if, the, if there was a directive that came by and we were stopping that, I would have gotten the email and I would have gotten a text from my supervisor as well. So, but I do know AstraZeneca cause I've kept up to date on the other, uh, trials being done in other countries because mm-hmm. other countries are doing it. It's not just us. Yeah. It's going to be kind of egocentric and think it's just us, but there's other countries that are. And AstraZeneca from what I understand, there had actually been deaths yeah. from it as well. Neurological damage. Um, I haven't really done much to follow up on it, which now that you've said that, I probably should do a little bit more reading um, just to see what exactly what it, what what the actual issue was. But I will tell you was that that vaccine is not as effective as the three, the big yeah. three that we're using right now.
2: And
0: for our, so our listeners think- that are that are hearing this information now, it is the 28th of March, 2021, is whenever we're, we're talking about this. So as of that date, our healthcare expert uh, is, is still tracking that all three of those, uh, vaccines that are being used in the U S are still being used and are not the ones making people sick. So
1: Absolutely. that's good
0: to know. Uh, next question. O positive sure. blood type.
1: Okay. So I've also heard that too. What's your <laughs> blood type?
0: My blood type okay. is O positive.
1: <laughs> so you're like sitting there thinking to yourself, Ooh, I should be fine. Okay, Superman so blood. Yeah. There's because I, they talk more about like the universal donor and the universal recipient. That's kind of where that came out.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't know all of the details of that, but I would tell you that everybody that I've talked to, who's even mentioned it in passing calls that kind of a trash science. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that for other things that that doesn't isn't applicable. But in this case, there's no research that says that a certain blood type is going to make you less susceptible to COVID. Now there are some other blood typings that have been done in longer researches, Studies and um, certain antibodies in some blood that will you may see less of a chance of somebody getting things like in some cases some people may be less predisposed to being able to get malaria yeah but so we I mean those are that's something I would not ever use as um as an indicator, but yeah. some people are using it. So we kind I've of jumped
0: it. right into that. So I, I just want to make sure that our listeners know what we're talking about. There was uh, there was talk that different blood types might be, and this is months ago. This might have even been at the very beginning of uh, the coronavirus. Mm-hmm uh stuff but there was talk that certain blood types might be less susceptible to uh, the coronavirus either uh, uh, contracting it or the severity in which it would impact them and so on and so forth um, mm-hmm. the only data that they were pulling that from was that sars uh, whatever version from years right. ago uh, which is similar. If if not exactly the same uh, type of virus as as the SARS virus, the coronavirus is I guess similar in in, uh, in type to the SARS virus, um, and they pulled a data set from that which indicated that O positive blood type was l- less susceptible to contract SARS. So they were they were kind of borrowing information from a previous thing that was in some way related to coronavirus. So that, that's where that talk came from and uh, and i will say that go ahead
1: and i will say that borrowing from previous research is not necessarily a bad thing you just have to look at it within context right and you have to make sure that whatever you're borrowing from really fits the criteria of what you're trying to deal with now i mean right. there's nothing wrong with that plenty of us do that in research mm-hmm. but this is just a whole other and, and there's an and with SARS. It mutates as well, but it hasn't mutated as fast as COVID has. You know, there's other strange now, yeah. strange now too. So that's a whole other ball game, right there.
0: So as far as coronavirus is concerned, there is no applicable data that shows that O positive blood type is in any way less susceptible or otherwise to to the coronavirus.
1: Quite honestly, not anything that I've seen or anything that I've seen come out of the CDC. But, you know, there's always something coming out every day. So, it's just one of those things where we just kind of have to watch and wait and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Uh, The other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, vitamin D and zinc.
1: Okay. So, vitamin D and zinc, here's the thing. Is anybody that's deficient in D or has any type of mineral deficiency? Yes. They are going to be predisposed to more issues in life. And I will tell you that I have a vitamin D deficiency. And I take vitamin D on a regular basis. I take a monthly um, a set of pills that I take one one a week um, mm-hmm. because I am vitamin D deficient. Um, I don't know if you know what that vitamin deficiency does, but it also renders your immune system sometimes in some cases, um, you know, to the point where you can't fight certain things off. Right. And it's not only that, it also affects things um, like, for example, I also have anemia. So because I have a deficiency in vitamin D, it also can affect my anemia in that um, it can cause other issues with breathing difficulties, things like that, because of the oxygen needed um, trans- and transportation in the blood. So I see a doctor regularly for it myself. Um, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So you should realistically be able to get it in food. However, if you are very deficient, you're not going to be able to get it. Okay. So that's why you get the supplementation. So the problem with that is that number one, most doctors are not going to give you a heavy dose of D unless you're deficient. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, you can try using the over the counter, but because it's fat soluble, you can actually overdose on fat soluble vitamins. Right. Um, So you certainly don't ever want to supplement yourself outside the bounds of what's suggested um, without talking to a doctor.
2: Right. Number two. Oh,
1: go ahead. Go ahead.
0: On uh, vitamin D, and this is not necessarily coronavirus uh, specific, but we're we're throwing around a lot of information here. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, there are uh, opposing studies that that tell you or speak on the amount that you should be taking, uh, supplementing with vitamin D. And some studies say as low as 500, and then there's some that say as Mm -hmm. high as 2,500 IU. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think I've even seen that some some uh, professionals suggest that for a short stint to take 5,000 IU's, which is above yes. the uh, maximum uh, daily limit, which I think is what is it 25 or 3,500
1: IU? Yes, because you can have too much of a good thing. It can actually impact you negatively versus right. positively. So that's why it's real important to stay within the bounds of what you know medical science says is safe. Right. Um, it's just like any other thing. If you, you know, if you take the water soluble vitamins like vitamin C and things like that, you know, if you take too much of it, your body will basically urinate out. them out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, but with the fat soluble vitamins, which are A, D, E, and K, your body holds on to them. Yeah. And so the problem that you run into with that is number one, if your body is not metabolizing or, or synthesizing them properly or you're not getting enough of them, obviously, you're going to be deficient. If you get too much of them, it can cause a lot of other issues. Most notably, for most people, it's going to start causing some neurological issues. Okay. Um, but it can cause other issues. So really, the, the, you've seen people say, well, the doctor said, you know, you should use zinc, you should use this, you should use that. Honestly, I'm a firm believer that if someone is deficient and they use a, uh, try to use it as a supplement, it can, you know, do... It can do good. I mean, it's not necessarily going to do harm, but if you're somebody that D levels are within range, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you're overdoing it and there's, you know, you can have some repercussions from it. I personally, because I take D, I probably would never know one way or another because I'm deficient. Right. But we also have to look at variances in people. We all are different. So that's the whole reason why we run lab tests to look at baseline. Mm -hmm. If we don't run lab tests to run baseline, we're not going to get a pretty good idea of where the deficiency actually lies. Are you not getting enough in food, or is it really just what's not circulating in your blood system at that time? So anybody
0: that's supplementing should definitely take a blood test to make sure that because everybody's different, they're not overdoing it for themselves.
1: Exactly. Because, you know, generally, if you can take the regular capsules daily, and if you're staying within the range that's recommended, then you should be fine. But, you know, it's too much of a good thing. You hear people, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, you hear people trying to supplement to the point that it's absolutely ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and those are the extreme cases. I'm not saying everybody does that, but you know, there's things like some people are like, I've got to get this amount of kale in my system during the day. <laughs> there really are people who believe that I'm not a huge yeah. fan of kale, right? but you know, I like spinach and I know that spinach is a healthy way of getting, you know, things like iron in my system because I'm iron deficient. Now, am I going to sit here and order it by the pound and eat it? No, but I am going to make sure that I'm putting it as a dietary supplement and then taking my iron pills that I do every day. You know, the, I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make is that if you're going to be supplementing yourself,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, if you're doing it within the range that is recommended for over-the-counter, that's fine, but if you're feeling like you're have deficient, you need to be monitored by a doctor. Right. And so in the case that you're doing this, honestly, for covid you know, if you're taking it just as regularly, that's that's fine. I don't have anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody trying to better their health.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: when you're taking it in large amounts, that we don't really know how it's going to affect you. That's when it gets scary. Yeah. And so I just feel like people need to be, I guess, responsible in their supplementation, mm-hmm. but also be careful the resources and the and the research that you read. If it's not really a reputable. Website or things like that, and you're not sure about it, you can always ask your medical professionals. They'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, so things sure. like, the, you know, the Journal of American Medical Association or the Lancet, those are really good, reputable. They are known to have good, you know, researched, well-researched and also peer-reviewed info. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: there are some websites that are out there that, you know, and, I, and I'm also saying that also there, there are some really good, reputable you know, um, complementary medicine type uh, sites as well. I'm absolutely not against complementary medicine, but there are some kooks out there. Yeah. And so a lot of the stuff I hate to say is coming out of some of these kind of kooky articles. And um, I can say that, yes, there are going to be benefits for taking a supplement. I mean, all of us could benefit from it, but is it necessarily going to help you not get something that is a virus? There's no guarantee. Yeah. I mean, that, and you have to understand that viruses replicate and duplicate
2: and mutate yeah
0: so probably fair to say uh kind of in short that uh, a strengthened immune system is obviously going to perform better in all circumstances but vitamin d and zinc are not the uh solution for a virus that mutates and and attacks your uh uh, immune system so
1: yeah so let me give you an example and this might be a little bit more understandable for some people i like your analogies I like I like giving analogies. That's one <laughs> like thing I learned in education that was really important. So I'll give you one. Okay, so you were talking about you know your mom's car. Let's talk about a vehicle. You know, um, when you get a brand new vehicle, we don't always think about putting in additives and things in our gas to try to make it run better, right? We don't right. think about that because yeah. our car is running fine. Uh-huh. It's only when things start to act kind of strange, we're like, oh, maybe I should have put you know um, an injection cleaner in there right. or things like that, and. Uh-huh. So even though it might be a good thing now and again, you're not gonna do this heavy duty flush of your system every month.
2: Right. You're
1: just not gonna do it. Now, will you do things to help it run better and things that, you know, will obviously make it run harder. Yeah, I mean, starting your car when it's freezing cold and expecting to be able to drive, you know, within five minutes, that's just a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Gotta let the car warm up and things like that. There's little things that we do. But by every time you go and you put in the injector cleaner or things in your car, it can be too much of a bad thing. After a while, you could actually cause problems for something that you generally meant for it to be a positive for. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So uh, you could cause a problem because you're putting an extreme amount of, I don't know, ethanol or whatever into the system that doesn't need to be in there. Right. But periodically, it's fine. Yeah. And in some cases, you may not need it at all. So what's the point of wasting the money? Mm Mm-hmm to put it in there so So that you know that's that's one analogy another analogy is that as we get older and this is something that I've told people you know when I was younger I beat my body up oh yeah it's gonna be another 30 years till I'm 40 or another 20 years till I'm 40 something I'm 45 years old now I regret everything that I did (laughs) (laughs) trying to push through pain trying to you know because I thought oh man that'll just toughen me up it's the same kind of analogy that I use with people. If we were going to make our bodies be the ultimate to the point that we don't have any issues, we would have started doing that when we were teenagers, and we don't think that way. We don't. We think that we're invincible at that age. We figure, oh, I tore up my knee. I'll be fine. And then when you're looking at having to have two knee replacements, and you're like, man, I should have, could have, would have. So I guess what I'm trying to tell people is that if your immune system is already kind of jacked up, kind of like mine is, you can do what you can to try to supplement it and try to boost it a little bit, but it's never going to be the way it was before. Right.
0: And over, so, over vigilance can be just as destructive as uh, uh, negligence.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, you want to take care of yourself. And I really do challenge people if you're into this much kind of research with what's going on, research it. You know, there's right. always research that needs to be done. And always we need to be mindful of what we're doing to ourselves and what's happening to people around us. I don't discourage that at all. I'm a huge researcher. But in the same aspect, make sure that what you're reading is really worth your time and worth your while. Yeah. And it's good for you to be reading.
0: And it's because, a, probably you know, a good idea to double check with the information you're getting too. So go to your healthcare provider absolutely. and compare notes because there is, there's so much garbage out there and it's hard to sift right. through it. So you need a medical professional that has the background and the research knowledge to understand what is garbage and what's actually a a valid study that that has good information in it
1: absolutely and thoroughly researched and i know people will sit there and say well the vaccine hasn't been thoroughly researched and all this other stuff but here's the deal the method the mode and the type of research that was used to make the vaccine has been thoroughly researched, right. if that makes sense. It does, because what you're saying is
0: we already know how to make a vaccine. We understand that this particular uh, type of vaccine has to be administered this certain way. And um, right. we've also had similar viruses in the past that we've done ample research on.
1: Absolutely. Right. So I do kind of hesitate sometimes when people say we're guinea pigs. Yeah, we may not know the longitudinal effects. But here I am, you know, saying as a person that has had immune issues and is somewhat immune compromised, heck, I'd rather take the risk in that than what could happen to me if I didn't take that risk. Right. And I know that, you know, that's a personal thing that people have to come to. I'm not saying everybody should, you know, think the way that I do or whatnot, because Mm -hmm. it is a personal decision. It's a personal health decision. I'm not going to sit there and tell somebody who finds out that they have cancer that, you know, they're wrong if they decide that they don't want chemotherapy or they don't want any other treatment. I can't do that because right. that's not my job, first of all. And second of all, I can't judge somebody for what, you know, because there's a lot of other things that go into to that decision. I can't do that. But what I will say is I would encourage people to do the exact same thing that I, I did with my students. If something sounds too good, too good to be true, then it probably is, but at least take the time to research it to make sure that you're not either pulling on false information or passing along false information. So, you know, when you mentioned that about how they had taken one of the vaccines off the market, one of the things that I'll definitely do, as I always do, is I'm going to go after we get off of this um, podcast and I'm going to double check that I was yeah. correct. And if I need to, I'll send you a text and say, well, wait a second, here's what I found. Yeah. Because I believe in being responsible too. I don't sure. want to sit there and and pretend that I know everything. Cause I don't.
2: Yeah. And, I don't. And me, I still learn stuff the,
1: every
0: day. And me having the podcast and anytime I put information out like this, I want to make sure it's right. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, I will tell everybody like, Hey, I'm just spouting some shit out. And I don't know what I'm saying. Right.
1: <laughs> like, right. And I mean, you learn, I mean, that's the thing you live and you learn. Sometimes yeah. it's it, and and research changes from day to day. That's the thing. Yes. We get new information from the CDC every Wednesday mm-hmm. And a lot of times we are busy, but you know, sometimes at night I, I come home on that Wednesday night and I read through it because during the day I haven't had time to do it. But I want to make sure that what I'm telling people is correct because God forbid that I'd be, you know, that person that gives people wrong information. Right. Yeah, and then I have to that. live with it. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think one of the biggest things, I don't know if you know with this, but there has been kind of a health disparity with the COVID vaccination.
0: In what in way? That, or in what
1: sense? Well, It's more of a health disparity that started years ago that we're starting to note. Now, I don't know if anybody knows about the Tuskegee syphilis study that was done. Oh yeah. Um, But I will tell you that anytime you use human subjects as a result of that, um, your study has to go through what we call an institutional review board. Mm -hmm. And they determine that if your study is actually going to be detrimental to the subjects that you're going to be using, um, whether it be a questionnaire whether it be, uh, you know, actually injecting something, you everybody has to go through that. Now yeah. I will say that it also has a personal meaning for me, um, in that my uh, grandfather was actually one of the participants
0: of the um, sti- and of I, I don't even know how to sp- say it right. It's sticky. Sti- sti- say it's it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, to. I have yeah, trouble it's with hard that. to say. Yeah, well, and, and then it's harder to even talk about because what the government did, and correct me if I'm wrong, but without people mm-hmm. knowing uh, what was happening to them, and I, I can't remember what the pretense was. Was it fertility or?
1: Um, it had more to do with, long story short, it did affect fertility, but it was basically they were supposed to be going and um, they were told they had bad blood. And so they were supposed to be cured. Now, in some cases, some of the men actually did have syphilis. In some cases, they did not, but they were injected with syphilis to see the long-term effects.
0: Right. So, everybody against what or without their knowledge was injected with syphilis just to see, just so that the government could see what the long-term effects were, correct?
1: Yes. Or if they did have it, they were not given any, to begin with, they were not given anything to
0: treat Right. They believed
1: they were but they yeah. were not.
0: And, I, and correct me again if I'm wrong, but I think that large and by far that it was at, attached to the African-American community. Like it they, was. they it were was using only the black African- s- subjects.
1: They were. So as a result, there has been distrust by the African-American community towards healthcare providers and anybody that's going to say, hey, this is good for you. Right. So one of the things that we are seeing is that there are some populations in some areas of the United States Um, primarily African-American, but also some other um, uh, populations, minority groups that are saying they will not get it because they are terrified that this is just another um, experimentation, which I totally get. My grandfather, my biological grandfather, it ruined his marriage. His wife left him, took his kids to Chicago. He died in Alabama by himself and she had his children. uh, My father and his siblings, in um, Chicago, I can't imagine, wow. you know, the other families that it, it hurts um, because what it did was the men also passed on syphilis to their wives. And when they did have children, the wives had children afterwards. Yeah, um, some of the children had, had syphilis and they were blind and deaf. God. I mean, it was really the after effects. And the biggest issue that people had was the nurse that spent time through the whole Um, study was actually an African-American woman from the area and there are a camp of people that believes that that she knew what was going on and there's a camp of people that believes that she didn't know what was going on but on any account people were used as human test subjects when they could have been treated for a disease that basically not only physically ravaged their body but it destroyed relationships with family children spouses and things like that, and when you do talk to even people who are educated in African American, they will tell you that that is their fear, and I don't blame them. I mean, I didn't obviously know this until I was an adult, because I didn't find my biological family until I was an adult, but I can imagine just the the terror that I do, I am happy to report that everyone in my family who is a descendant of my grandfather, um, Tom Wyatt, has received the vaccine, Okay. Because of the fact that even though we recognize what was done, we also don't want to put ourselves in a position to where we contract something and die needlessly. Okay. So, um, you know, the family ha- has been very open, vocal about it. My dad was one of the first ones to say, because he actually did get COVID. You better get vaccinated. Because yeah. I don't care what happened with all of that. I want you to. My sisters have. I have, their children have. So, but it is um, something that needs to be kind of kept in the forefront um, that when we're doing education about COVID vaccinations, that we're actually really just sometimes bluntly honest with people. I will say though, one of the things that has been just kind of, um, I don't know, a joy for me to see is when we're doing these vaccination events. Um, it's great to see people who look like me coming through the line and still getting vaccinated in their seventies and their eighties, yeah. because even though that happened, they're still not willing to take the chance of right. something happening to them. So I think that that is, you know, I think we still have a lot of work to do in that area, but it, it, it gives me hope that, you know, the kind of the, the shadiness of the past people are starting to recognize that not everybody in the healthcare community is out to get them. And believe me, there, it's been, you know, hundreds of years of this kind of, um, you know, abuse of, right. of, of medicine. So you're not going to change things overnight. But one thing my dad did tell me, and one thing I, I want to mention, because if he does listen to this podcast, I think he needs to know that I have really listened to him. He's told me, you know, every day, remember, open heart, open mind, and open mind and open heart. Because... The thing is, is that the moment that we close our minds, we can't be open to helping take care of other people. And that's been something that I think he, he just, he texts me that periodically. Um, My dad is a pastor now. And so, you know, he sends me a lot of stuff that encourages me, but that's probably been the one thing that sits in my office on a little post-it and I've got it on my laptop. It's, you know, open heart, open mind, open mind, open heart. And it just reminds me that, even though not everybody's going to always agree with me, I still have to keep that in mind. What
0: an interesting family.
1: We have a very interesting family. It's crazy. (laughs) I have an interesting adoptive family, and I have an interesting biological family.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I love what you said there about, um, you know, people coming in and regardless of history, trying to move forward and pass that bias in order to uh, Mm -hmm. kind of better themselves, regardless of how they feel about the past. And I think that... We have to take a look at history uh, uh, in every sense or every every capacity, and uh, do the same thing. We need to understand, take it in as data, but not allow it to kind of affect the way that we process and make decisions. Not not blindly, but just to 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 not hold any kind of uh, unrealistic bias towards a, a situation.
1: Um, I think so, and I think it's just a lot of times you hear the phrase "faith over fear." And I think sometimes we just have to have a little bit more faith in the situation and sometimes in the system instead of being afraid. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like everybody else. When you've been done wrong or you feel like something hasn't worked out the way you wanted to, it's very easy to be fearful of the process. Yeah. But sometimes we have to have faith that that's just a certain situation in a certain time and be able to move forward and not forget, but just be mindful, you know, and, and do what's comfortable for you, but right. not let that hold you back.
0: I have one more question before I uh, sure. let you get out of here. Um, the three vaccines we have, and if you're not comfortable with this, just tell me, but, uh, sure. and I know we don't know which one's the most effective or anything like that, but which one of the three vaccines that we're using here in the U S is, uh, seems to be more well-received as far as maybe.
1: Uh, well, no. I'll tell you what's more. I'll, I'll be honest with you with what people are wanting versus mm-hmm. what we have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can tell you here in the state of Louisiana, I can't speak for the other states, but as soon as Johnson and Johnson came out, that was the one we got the most calls about because it is a one shot vaccination. Okay. Um, there's, there's, let me, yeah, good. It, it's marketed under Janssen, but it's a derivative. It's a subsidiary of Johnson and Johnson. So let me break it down. Um, the very first one that came out was the Pfizer. Now the Pfizer has certain requirements for refrigeration. Mm-hmm. So you'll find that most of the hospitals who had the hospital grade fridges are the ones that had Pfizer. Mm-hmm. It actually has to be kept colder than any of the other ones and it doesn't transport as easily.
0: Right, because so it has to be both- refrigerated the whole time.
1: Yes. And so um it actually has to be kept within almost freezing temps. Yeah, like 40 something degrees. Um it's actually lower that it's lower than that. Oh, wow. So wow. So just to keep that in mind, that to give you some a general idea, um, I don't have my little sheets here um, to tell you for sure. No, no does. problem. That's, no problem. That's older than the other one. Yeah. Um, secondly, most people were getting them done obviously because of hospital grade tips. There were some pharmacies that had them and some clinics, but mostly the hospitals. But as you know, most people don't want to go and sit at a hospital, especially with what's been going on. Right. Um, so what we were seeing is obviously Johnson and Johnson hadn't come out yet. So, for our vaccine events for the state, we're using Moderna. They're easily transported. Okay. Um, it doesn't, obviously with it being easily transported, then it doesn't swell as fast. The time that it can be out is a lot longer um, in between, um, like when it expires, when it's been drawn up, is shorter than it is for Pfizer. Okay. okay. So you f- found that obviously when you had those two people would choose Moderna. And of course that's what we chose because it's, it's Better for vaccine events when you're going to keep it refrigerated, obviously, at the vaccine event, but you're going to be transporting it. It's not as imperative to keep it at that cooler temperature. Right.
0: And both of those I mean, are two stage shots?
1: Um, those were the two state shots that we were doing.
0: Moderna okay? and Pfizer? Yes. Okay.
1: So, and those, and we were seeing actually more go through. <sighs> Honestly, in the beginning, obviously, Pfizer was one of the first ones. So we were seeing healthcare right. at, people getting vaccinated much faster with Pfizer. Now, Moderna, like I said, is easily to transport. We're starting to see more of the pharmacies get Moderna. Okay. So you're starting to see more of the people when they hit our criteria. Because as you know, there's different tiers for each state as they move through them. CDC set the guidelines, but the states had to move through them. Sure. So some states have moved through faster than others. One state that has not moved very fast through it, because I keep track on what's going on with it, is a state near me, which is Alabama. I came from that state previously. Okay. They haven't moved through as fast because they hadn't gotten their tiers vaccinated fast enough honestly some of the states just didn't put a plan in place right away to get their states ready right not saying louisiana is perfect but honestly it's been a lot easier than some states okay and i've looked at the states including missouri because that's where my parents are missouri moved through fairly fast too obviously there's always going to be complaints about who we're vaccinating at one time but they really are moving through as fast as they are possibly able to um anyway back again moderna tended to tends to be like i said easy transported Mm -hmm. and most people are are okay with it Um, I don't know if it's because of the the things people have heard of side effects or things like that Um, but I did I did the two dose series with Moderna had Johnson and Johnson been out personally I probably would have taken it it because I wouldn't have had to do the two dose but at this point I'm not going to complain because I'm vaccinated Um, now that Johnson and Johnson is out people are wanting to get that but it's just Johnson and Johnson Janssen who produced it said at the beginning that they were just going to do a certain amount and they weren't going to continue to produce it like Pfizer and Moderna. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that has changed yet. Um, maybe once they see that there are more people wanting to get it, because it is only a one dose shot, you don't have to come back to 28 or 30 days later, you know, they may change their minds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a pharmaceutical company. They've been known to do that. So, um, but I will say that right now, probably the ones in the running would be, Johnson and Johnson, the Janssen, which is a subsidiary. I have to keep on saying that because people don't always understand. Right. Um, So and Moderna. The the the
0: the major point is, uh, you know, whichever one you take, just go get the shot.
1: Yeah, and go back to suffer the second dose.
2: Uh, Yeah, apparently that's been an issue.
1: Yes, it has been. It's just like any other two or three dose shot. You know, people forget. Or, and that's the great thing about the events that we've had, the immunization events. We always, when we have a first dose event, we already have a second dose event scheduled. So they get a phone call because I was vaccinated at one of those events. I know how the system works. I actually got a phone call two days before the second event reminding me that I had, I was giving my dose or getting my dose at that date and at that time. Mm -hmm. And if I had an issue getting it, then I needed to call my provider and let them know. Right. because in some cases you may have some people that have to cancel or things have come up. And so what we try to do is if they're letting us know that they can't make it to that event. We try to provide them alternatives, like in their local health system, um, you know, where they can go, um, including pharmacies, because the last thing we want is somebody to have to go to work and not be able to come to a second event and then just not get the second dose, and not be fully vaccinated. Right.
0: Um, so, Last thing I promise, um, information for people that want to kind of do their own research, where would you put Absolutely. them like point point them in the direction of website wise or or whatever to to kind of do their own research?
1: Okay, so I would definitely go to the CDC website. It has weekly updates as well as daily updates where there are outbreaks um, and anything new. Now, I will tell you people do get frustrated with the CDC website, and this is why. Because people will say, well, last week they said this, and this right. week they said this. Well, you have to keep in mind that the research is evolving. Right. So yes, one week we might be saying this, and the next week we may be saying this. Because just like with anything else, and I'll give you another example, AIDS. In the beginning, they thought that it was only a gay man's disease. Right. And I say that in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. I did my air quotation. <laughs> you can't see that, but I did. But it wasn't. It absolutely right. was not. And it evolved. In the beginning, they actually called it gay man's cancer. Because oh, well, what happened towards the end is that people would develop a skin type of cancer. Really?
2: What they didn't realize
1: is that anybody could get it yeah. through transmission, through sexual intercourse, and other means. And then when people who were hemophiliacs started to get it, they were having to rethink this, or people who had blood transfusions. Yeah. Because obviously some of these cases were children. Oh, so what I say is I want to make sure that people understand that because it is so new in that... There have been other variants of it, but the variant that we're seeing at this point is obviously uh, totally different than anything we've ever dealt with because it's a pandemic proportion. Obviously, Mm -hmm. make sure that you don't get upset with the website and be like, "Well, yesterday they said this." Because remember, at this point in time, in the beginning, it was to stay away from people, and masks might help.
2: Yeah. Then
1: it changed to now we got to wear masks. Oh, now we can trans it can be transmitted through vectors, through coughing, and possibly surface and things like that. It's going to evolve. It's going to change as we learn more about it. We're not going to have all the answers. I certainly don't. Yeah. And that's why I check the website. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do. And, you know, people have been frustrated too. Oh, even if you're vaccinated, you should still wear a mask. Yeah, because unfortunately, just like anything else that's usually virus, just like chickenpox, you can get vaccinated against chickenpox, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to have a couple of spots.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, so it's those types of things that we have to be use some common sense with. So definitely the CDC website, go to your state health department website. Every single one of them has a COVID page. Now, every one of them has a COVID page because they were directed by the CDC to do that. That will let you know when there's vaccination events, but not only that, it'll also let you know how many cases are in your state and also what to look for. If you're not really familiar with it and also different resources to read about and understand.
0: Okay. Now, as far as your personal content, do you have a following for people that, uh, that want to kind of keep up with you and see what you're posting daily? Do you do anything on social media?
1: I do. Have, I, do I have a Facebook page. Um, I will often um, post um, where there are events, some new things from the CDC. You will see me sometimes get into some, you know, maybe friendly banter. I don't want to say argumenting, <laughs> But you'll see me make comments. Um, especially when there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I also have um, my consulting page, but I haven't really put anything on there, which I'm starting to think that maybe I should start putting some COVID related items. Um, But my Facebook page is um, Amy Joy Wyatt Scarborough. Um, You know, if you want to just follow for the the public stuff that I post for COVID, feel free to do that. I'm also on Twitter under Dr. AJ. Um, I just have not been as vigilant because of course, doing what I do has kept me busy. Yeah. yeah you're a busy um, lady. <laughs> I am very busy, busy very, doctor. very busy. This is my one day that, honestly, I'm glad that I'm able to do this for you. Yes. Um, because during the week, you wouldn't have caught me. But right. I do want to just reiterate again that I am not a medical doctor. I want to make sure that that is clear. My doctorate is in um, health education. So I'm just a lot like most of you who are listening. Um, though my emphasis now is covid and I do have a background with the biology and the biochemistry and those types of things. I did not go to medical school, but um, I'm also a researcher, so I've spent the time to do it. And I also um, have published a dissertation. So yeah. <laughs> I don't want you guys to think that I'm just some kookness out there, but I no. just I always feel like I need to give my own disclaimer.
2: Yeah,
0: well, you're, um, you're in the trenches. You have firsthand knowledge of it and, you know, right. you're... you're you're in the medical field helping people understand and prepare themselves for, for the vaccination process. So,
1: right. And uh, we're just all kind of navigating it together. So anything I can do to help definitely.
0: I will put links to your Facebook and your Twitter in the uh, show notes. And um, I'm, I, I would like you to feel comfortable calling me anytime and we can do just, you know, if, if you have a, a thing that you want to update Fort Worth roots uh, sure. podcast listeners on, we can just do a three or four minute long recording. And I'll happily put that at the end of uh, that week's episode. Um, that way okay. your, your up-to-date information gets out as quickly as possible, but I really, really appreciate the same joy. And.
1: Um, oh, I appreciate you contacting me to do it this just makes my heart happy because it's just like, I, I gave you my little, you know, story about that, the people that kind of pushed me into really doing the research. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, the, what I can do to prevent a family from going through what their family went through. Mm-hmm. I'll do anything to do that. Yeah. And if it's just me, just, pointing people in the right direction i'm happy to do it and do you mind if i call you
0: pertain like uh subjects pertaining to the medical field maybe specific stuff with uh health health and nutrition and cardiovascular health and things like that
1: no problem no problem (laughs) if i don't know the answer i can point you to the right person
0: i figured you could okay amy joy i'm going to hit the exit music for uh the show and if you'll just hang on uh after after the that plays. And then uh, I just wanted to talk to you for a second, but Fort Worth Roots, thank you all for listening. Sorry, the video is going to be a little weird because Amy Joy doesn't have one in front of her right now, but we might try to do that next time. So, all right, Amy Joy, thank you so much. And Fort Worth Roots, we'll see you all next week. Another big thank you to Amy Joy for coming on the show. And guys and gals, I know that was really different from our nor- normal formats. First time I've done an over-the-phone kind of thing. Um, I'd love to know your impact or feedback or however you say that word. Hey, um, I say it all the time. You can leave me a voicemail, whatever, whatever, media at FortWorthRoots.com. This is actually an episode where I'd really enjoy some feedback. Was was that hard to listen to, the over-the-phone thing? I don't know because I'm not you, but, uh, I felt like it went well. Um, I definitely appreciate having somebody in front of me that I can see their facial expressions and all that good stuff. But, um, listen, if, if you ever checked out episode one of Fort Worth Roots, I, I I tell people I want, I want this to be a community. So you, the listener, yeah, you, 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 I want to hear from you. I really do so that I know what you're thinking I, I'm i blind out here. I'm just shooting out information with no feedback. And that's very difficult for somebody like me because I'm out of my mind. So with no um, feedback, I just keep being crazy. <laughs> so if, if if you see something, you're like, hey man, that really worked well. Or yo, that was dumb. Don't do that again. You don't have to say man or yo, but Anyway, the feedback would be so very well received, and I'd actually love to, and if you don't want me to, I won't do it, but I would love to add your commentary to the show. Um, Whether it's positive or negative, I don't care. Um, I do want to give a few more shout-outs real quick. First and foremost, Justin Mutenta has been a patron uh, through the uh, Fort Worth Roots Patreon uh, site for... uh, many, many months. And I just wanted to say thank you, Justin. I don't know that he's listening to these episodes, but he is supporting the show. And uh that's that's a lot. And I really appreciate it. Um that's the kind of stuff that's gonna move Fort Worth roots forward. Like we're gonna be able to do other stuff. So and what do I mean by that? Well I can't legally make promises without a solid plan and uh my plan is to just kind of organically grow this thing until uh you know whatever so we'll just see where it goes but justin brother i i appreciate it and uh thank you for supporting the show and i i don't get to work that into every episode but i i always think about you every month whenever i get the notification that you support the show so thank you very much um I have a friend. Her name is Gill and you can go to www.soberpowered.com to check out this uh podcast or you can find it on your uh, favorite podcast player. It's called Sober Powered Podcast. And this is it it's so funny cuz you you hear the premises to some of these shows and you're like I'm not going to be interested in that at all. This was one of them. And then I'd listen to an episode of it. And first off, Gil is a great host. Uh, She's got a great voice. Uh, Her delivery is excellent. And much like Lucas Peterson from uh, Just Sway, she's just got a a very crisp, very well-put-together show with information and facts. And I mean, Fort Worth Roots is just, we interview somebody, we have a conversation, we package it up, and we ship it out. And uh, somebody like Gil at Sober Powered Podcast, they take the time to really curate it. I mean, they're, they're putting together a production. And, and so if you're listening to my show and you enjoy it, great, and I'm glad you're here. But if you want to see real art, the way somebody puts something together and uh, uh, kind of presents it as a, a real production... Um, I would encourage you to check these out. And and even if you're not, like it's called Sober Powered, right? So you would think it'd be just a podcast that somebody uh, struggling with addiction might listen to, but I'm the the facts that she puts out are so interesting. Um, and it would apply to anybody that drinks alcohol, because you might not know this. I know this because I watched, or excuse me, listened to her podcast. Um, the reason that alcohol plays so heavily into weight loss is not just because you're ingesting a bunch of uh, empty calories but also that alcohol does something to kind of trick your metabolism into holding on to stuff or so on and so forth she's like a legit biologist so she understands the terms and everything that's going into it and it's just incredible to hear that kind of stuff and it's also fun hearing her kind of you know, with some self deprecation, talk about her struggle and, you know, the the stuff that turned her away from alcohol. So that's also, you know, part of the allure of it all. But anyway, go check it out Sober Powered, or you can go to SoberPowered.com and it's got all the stuff, uh, episodes and show notes and whatnot. And then don't forget about Lucas, man. Uh, Just Sway podcast. Excellent. And I'm really looking forward to working more with Lucas and more with uh, the, the people inside the Blue October... Com- Is that right? Yeah. Blue October community. Sorry, I had a moment. All right. That's it. I love you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> and uh, I hope you're having a, a, a great start to your week. And let you know what? Hey, let's do it again next Monday. Thank you all so much. And I'll see you soon. Bye.